we're uh, right in the middle of Colossians. And after that, he also writes a little letter to Philemon uh, to, uh, for the church to receive him as well. So those are the letters that you know, we call prison epistles. And so uh, one of the things that I want to point out is it's just the urgency that St. Paul has. Because, you, know, um, you know, we don't know when we're going to go. But, boy, if, if, if you know that it's coming sooner than later, you kind of like think about, you know, how to leave the things behind. And so that's why these words in uh, these prison letters are uh, very important. And it's not just like how to be a good Christian. It's like, this is what Christians do. <laughs> this is how Christians live. And, uh, and if Jesus is your God, this is it. And in a sense, we said that this is a playbook, a playbook for the perpetuity, that is the continuation for the church after the first century. And, it, and God is doing this. We're like 21st century now, all right? And, and, the, and the church continues to be, because this is not Paul's doing. Peter's doing, the apostles' doing, is God's doing. And so the Acts of the Holy Spirit, you know, <laughs> there's 28 chapters in Acts, but this is Acts 29 and beyond. We're continuing this work, and it's beautiful, it's wonderful, all right? So that is uh, 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 the whole emphasis and what's one interesting thing about the book of Colossians is that whereas Ephesians, well, uh, I've mentioned that he, uh, St. Paul stayed, uh, was there the most, I think around three years. And he was there to build up the church, raise up elders, leaders, and he was really involved. And so that's why you have John there and, and a lot of the church fathers and Timothy and uh, his protege, they really flooded that church. And that was, that was a mainstay, if you will of the uh, church outside of Jerusalem. So it was a very strong church. And Philippians uh, is interesting because he had a personal stake in that. The people that he led to Christ, we read that in Acts chapter 17. Uh, they were phenomenal people and, and he has nothing but love and joy to the church in Philippi because they were giving out of their poverty for Paul. And there was a lot, and we talked a little bit about that. The book of Colossians is really interesting because he's never been to Colossae. He's never been, he doesn't even know he's writing to. He doesn't know the people. The only person that he knows is the one guy, his name is Epaphras. And what happened to him is that he went to Ephesus. He heard the gospel. It, it radically changed him. And so what does Epaphras do? He goes to the country town of Colossae. And there were also cities like Laodicea and Hierapolis. And uh, they were all like tribes cities together, and he planted a church with not even, Apostle Paul, Paul didn't even know about this. And here's uh, Epaphras, and he planted that church. And so uh, eventually he goes to Rome, and then, uh, you know, St. Paul says, hey, Epaphras, give this letter to this church that I don't even know. <laughs> and, so, and so we have this. And, and why? Because he wants, St. Paul wants the church in Colossae, in those uh, regional cities where there are churches, to be relevant and missional. If you, and you need to understand this, because in that first century, they did not know the name Jesus. They didn't know what a church is. Uh, they never met St. Paul. Do you understand? So it's a whole new paradigm shift, a worldview shift for these people in Colossae. And, and he's writing this to say, hey, uh, if you follow this playbook that you, because you're a Christian now, because Jesus has come to you, uh, you as the church is formed, you'll be relevant. What is relevant? Being relevant is this. 
if you, if, if you have been filled with God, it's not just your private religion that you get to heaven. That's not what being a Christian is all about. You live out the values that Jesus says who he is and how he's transformed us in such a way that uh, people will notice. And as you gather in a place called church, all these called out ones, these Christians, uh, they come together collectively called the church and, and the church starts to live out these values. People will be wondering what is wrong with these people. They, they act different from the prevailing culture. That's being relevant. And then Paul says also, I want you to do this because I want you to be missional. Now, what is missional? Missional means not just get stuck in the church and just love each other, but because you're the only Christian in town, you go out and love others. Where you live, work, and play. You know, you may be a slave. You may have a boss called your master. Well, you know what? You live out your values to the, your master. You live out your, if you're a, a, a Roman centurion and you're the top dog, you live out your Christian values to those underneath you. And all in all, you live, work, and play the values. That's how you become missional. And that's what this is all about. So from the first century lens in the people of Colossae, as they're getting this information, the word of God from Epaphras that's written by St. Paul, which was inspired by God himself, there's fresh eyes here. And, you know, we read this passage, and even as I heard it, I, I can almost uh, repeat this to you because it's repeated several times in the New Testament. You probably heard this, these phrases and these instructions many, many times, and we can just gloss over it. But to get a fresh perspective, you have to understand that it's written to those who's never heard it before, who's only been part of one culture, and that is the prevailing secular culture, which Jesus is not the Lord, Right? And so this is shocking, very shocking. And so from that lens, I think we can really understand and hopefully with fresh eyes why St. Paul is telling us this. So in order to do that, I was thinking about who Paul, uh, 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 I want to uh, play this video for you. His name is Paul Harvey. Does anyone know who Paul Harvey is from the previous generation? And here you're exactly right. You should not know him, but I know him because I'm a little older than you. He is a, a radio newscaster, and, and um, uh, when I was growing up, way back then, I, I loved his uh, news commentary, radio commentary, social commentary, just on the culture. In 1965, you know, he's been doing these kind of things. And in fact, he wrote an essay, um, and, and, and after that essay, he uh, read it on his radio telecast. And the essay is called, If I Were the Devil. So instead of me telling you this, uh, Paul Harvey has a, an amazing voice. So if you can cue that video, it's a three-minute video. This is a, a short essay, but I want you to listen very carefully because what uh, Paul Harvey does is set, sets up the uh, culture in 1965, which again is, is, is uh, well, anyway, let me just, I'll just say that. So cue that, please, and uh, can you play it, yes or no? Because you don't want If to I were that. the devil... If I were the prince of darkness, I'd want to engulf the whole world in darkness, and I'd have a third of its real estate and four-fifths of its population, but I wouldn't be happy until I had seized the ripest apple on the tree, the. So I'd set about however necessary to take over the United States. 
I'd subvert the churches first. I'd begin with a campaign of whispers. With the wisdom of a serpent, I would whisper to you as I whispered to Eve. Do as you please. To the young, I would whisper that the Bible is a myth. I would convince them that man created God instead of the other way around. I would confide that what's bad is good and what's good is square. And the old I would teach to pray after me, our Father, which art in Washington. And then I'd get organized. I'd educate authors in how to make lurid literature exciting so that anything else would appear dull and uninteresting. I'd threaten TV with dirtier movies and vice versa. I'd peddle narcotics to whom I could. I'd sell alcohol to ladies and gentlemen of distinction. I'd tranquilize the rest with pills. If I were the devil, I'd soon have families at war with themselves, churches at war with themselves, and nations at war with themselves until each in its turn was consumed. And with promises of higher ratings, I'd have mesmerizing media fanning the flames. If I were the devil, I would encourage schools to refine young intellects, but neglect to discipline emotions, just let those run wild. Until before you knew it, you'd have to have drug-sniffing dogs and metal detectors at every schoolhouse door. Within a decade, I'd have prisons overflowing, I'd have judges promoting pornography. Soon I could evict God from the courthouse, then from the schoolhouse, and then from the houses of Congress. And in his own churches, I would substitute psychology for religion and deify science. I would lure priests and pastors into misusing boys and girls and church money. If I were the devil, I'd make the symbol of Easter an egg and the symbol of Christmas a bottle. If I were the devil, I'd take from those who have and give to those who wanted until I had killed the incentive of the ambitious. And what'll you bet? I couldn't get whole states to promote gambling as the way to get rich. I would caution against extremes in hard work, in patriotism, in moral conduct. I would convince the young that marriage is old-fashioned, that swinging is more fun, that what you see on TV is the way to be. And thus I could undress you in public, and I could lure you into bed with diseases for which there is no cure. In other words, if I were the devil, I'd just keep right on doing what he's doing. See, he wrote this in 1965. He's not talking about 20... What year is this? Oh, it looks the same thing, doesn't it? Oh, my God. It is. It is. He's not a prophet, okay? He's, he's a Christian who's just doing good work, but he sees what the devil's doing, and he could have easily talked about 2022 as well. The reason why I tell you this is because that's the culture. And in a sense, if you're not, think about this, if you are not a Christian and you're, this is the culture that you're living in, this is all you know. So you have to live like that. So if, you know, if the devil is the devil of the culture, I want to call that the devil's playground, the culture, and you're in that playground, that's all you know. That's all you know how to live, work, and play, your morality. That's all you know if uh, the devil's playground is our culture and we're in it and we're not awakened to that. That is it. And that's why Colossians is so important because the people, of, the people in Colossae in the first century, that's all they knew. They didn't know Jesus Christ. It was a polytheistic religion. Roman uh, Empire was there, and they allowed many different gods, and sexual immorality rampant as ever, 
money, greed, you name it. That's just the way you live. That's the way you work. And that's the way you play. All right? And that's why what St. Paul is teaching us here, not only to Colossae, but to us who are Christians, it is radical. Because unless you know the context, you don't know what to put off and put on. All right? So let me continue here. Um, so the question is, and as he posed, St. Paul posed that question to um, Colossae or to Colossians, those of you who are Christians, I want to pose the same question to you. And the question is this, how do you live like a Christian? All right? How do you be a Christian? How do you live, work, and play like a Christian in a prevailing culture where the devil is just, where it's the devil's playground? All right? How do you do that? How do you exemplify the things of God, what he's teaching us, the hope and the life that he's given us? How do, you, how do we do that in our world where the devil reigns? Well, I want to tell you four things, all right? I don't have, a sli I don't have slides today because I'm going to run right through this, all right? But four things, just keep note of this. And, 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 and it's, it's very logical, so I'm just going to go through logic. Number one, now... In order for uh, the message to really hit home, you have to, so indulge with me that you're not a believer, okay? All right, say you never met Jesus, just like the first century Colossians. You never met Jesus. This, I'm, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a, a new guy telling you something strange about a new religion. All, the only thing you know is what Paul Harvey described. That's your culture. And you've already sucked into the devil's lies, all right? So there you go. That's the situation. So, you know, and then, and then in order, and, and there's, there's this new gospel, a person like me coming, I'm, I'm Apophras, all right? I'm teaching you what I learned about, about this thing called, person called Jesus. And you hear this. Maybe the Spirit of God is going through your soul and, and, and you're kind of like being awakened, all right? Number, the first thing you need to do is this. You have to choose what kind of life you want to live. Because I'm here, I'm explaining to you that there's a person called Jesus. And this Jesus came from God. He left heaven, came to earth to, to deliver us from our sins and to give us a new life. So I'm, I'm preaching this to you. And in fact, Colossians 1, if you remember, 1 and 2, uh, St. Paul describes that Jesus has supremacy over all creation. Remember this? It's that high theological language that with him, in him, through him, everything was created. And not only did he design the world, but there's a purpose that he had to come and die because of our sins, but then he rose again on the third day, which is Easter. And then he brought the Holy Spirit down as a down payment. Why? Because he's going to come back again. And the, the way we ought to live is, is uh, the new values that he's given us, and we get to live in hope. And we don't live the same way, we live a different way. And the Holy Spirit will teach us how to do that because we're just preparing to live like citizens of a new kingdom. That is what the message of Jesus is. And if I'm telling you this for the first time, if you will, and your heart is getting burned, you have to make a choice right now. And that choice is this. Just determine what kind of life you want to live. Do you want to live this kind of lifestyle? Or 
say, no, thank you. <laughs> you continue to live your life without Jesus, without Christ, without this message I just shared with you. And you, plant, and you plant, prefer to live in the devil's playground. You have to make that choice. Because if you don't make that clear choice, one or the other, uh, this would not make any sense. This is how radical chapter 3 is for the Colossians. And for the church today, perhaps we need to hear this in that same freshness again. Because you've got to make a choice. It's one or the other. You know, uh, about maybe five, about six years ago, when we're at the other church, we did a lot of mission trips. And, and some of you know we went to uh, India. Some of you went with us. Went to the, uh, New Delhi and um, Kerala and and uh, where did we go? Anyway, different parts of India. And I remember when I went to New Delhi, oh gosh, it was a, a not only culture shock, it's not my culture, but there's garbage, mountains everywhere, and so many stories behind that. But as we were getting to know uh, the folks that this ministry was raising up, uh, Christian leaders, we visited their homes, and typically they were living in slums. And, uh, you know, they got baptized and they, they're following Jesus and we visited their home. And what's interesting is when they invited us to their home, uh, you know, a lot of uh, people in India, they're all, they're very religious. It's one of the most religious countries in the world. And there I saw Brahma, Shiva, Vishnu, Ganesh. Those are the main deities in, Indi in Hinduism. And then there's Jesus Christ right in the middle of that. And then it occurred to me, um, as I'm hearing their profession of faith, yes, they're Christians, but I'm not sure if they understood that it is that exclusive as the way, as what I'm telling you. That it has to be one or the other. It's not Jesus among all deities. Even Jesus being the greatest among all deities, that doesn't work. It is very exclusive, one or the other. So therefore, the first thing to be relevant and be missional for God is number one. You have to choose. Choice means one or the other. It's binary, one, zero. It's not both and, or it's not a, a, a summation or some derivation thereof. It's not that. It's one or the other. That's number one. So if you want to be, if you want to learn how to live a Christian life in a culture like First century here, or 1965 Paul Harvey, or 2022. We gotta make a choice. You gotta understand this. Then, secondly, if, uh, you know, it's logical. You make a choice. Secondly, you have to make an admission. What is the admission? It, again, is very similar to the first one. You have to make the admission that uh, as you're living right now, again, you just heard the gospel. You just heard that there's a new life in this deity, this son of God called Jesus. Then you have to make an admission here. Where's your happiness? It, is, it in this, is it going to be in this new Christ that you just heard about? That, that, that he gives new life, right? Uh, that he's going to give you a, a whole different hope and the way to live versus and compared to the way your life is now, all right? Are you content as is? Are you content uh, with, with uh, uh, how you live, work, and play? 
I know this world's not perfect. I know the government's corrupted, but you know what? I'm gonna find happiness in it anyway. Are you gonna be contented in the way you are now as is? And you have to admit uh, uh, which uh, worldview, if you will, because this is radical, which one of the two that's going to, that, that you're gonna uh, commit to for your happiness? Is it living in the devil's playground that you're just gonna, that it's okay with you? Or you going to, you're going to put your hope in, in this Jesus that, that, that has full of promises and that you're willing to explore and give your life to. Again, it's, this, it's very similar to point one, but you got to admit it now. The reason why admission is so important, because as you're sitting there, we talk, you know, I talk about counseling a lot these days because I'm getting counseled. And uh, you know, my wife and everyone tells me, you need counseling. <laughs> and some of you think, you know some people need counseling and you know, I know you're thinking about them. But here's the thing. <laughs> no one can be counseled unless they want to be counseled. Does that make sense? You never, oh, I heard an amen, a lot of amens, because <laughs> you're thinking about them. But they'll never go into counseling unless they realize and they admit they need counseling. Amen. It took me 53 years to get to that point. <laughs> I need counseling. And I'm on the other end, guys. Boys, and it's wonderful. So I'll just leave that to you. And, and so that's why knowing about Jesus, I'm, I'm like blue in the face telling you about Jesus ain't going to do anything. You have to admit, my life, the way it's going, the way I got all figured out is not working for me. There are a lot of holes, and I filled it with idols and toys and things that I like. It's not working for me. You got to admit to that. Otherwise, you'll be straddling two worlds and it ain't going to work. You got to choose one. And then you got to admit that, that your life is not going to be fulfilling. If you do, then the ultimate choice is you may not, under, be under, you not, may not understand what all that's like, but you have to admit that I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have to go to Jesus. All right. Then thirdly, um, okay, if you're saying I'm going to just bear it with it, then, then, and you're content with the way it is without Jesus, then stop. That's it. We're just, we're your friends, and I'm not going to push you, and uh, we're just going to love you. That's it. That's it. It's a full stop. However, if you're dissatisfied, you say, I'm going to um, seek Jesus. I'm going to, I'm going to uh, bring Jesus into my life and help and have him change me. And if you're dissatisfied, then we can proceed. Then there's steps three and four, all right? Third step is if you're dissatisfied, then what we read here in chapter 3, verse 5 on, we can apply this. That's why St. Paul provides uh, a way for Christians, for these people who are being awakened, if you will, awakened to a different life, living in the devil's playground. By the way, the devil's playground, call our culture, is not going to go away, by the way. That's when Jesus comes back. So in the meanwhile, while we are here, uh, St. Paul provides a way for us to live in it. And that's what this is all about. And so quickly, this is what he's saying. Basically, the title of this message is called Put Off, Put On. It's very simple, all right? And I'm not going to go into all the details of what uh, we have to cast off and so forth. I'm just going to summarize it because, you know, it's, it's, we, know, we know what sexual malice, all that stuff is, okay? But this is what I want to emphasize. He says, all right, 
you're dissatisfied, you want a new life, this is what you must do. Now, verse 5, put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, and dot, 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 continues that. Before I talk about that a bit, I, w- I want you to notice what he's saying. Other translation says put off or cast off. But over here in ESV, it says put to death. I want you to notice the emphasis and the heavy weightiness of that phrase because death is violent. Uh, Another way to translate death is kill. Kill uh, has the imagery of pain and blood, right? It hurts. I don't want to, I don't like pain. We don't like pain. Death means blood. Death, Death means no life. So it's a very violent imagery. Think about it. Again, you're stuck in the devil's playground. How are you going to become a new person in Christ? St. Paul says, there's got to be death. All right? Violence here. So, so, so the metaphor is more of like, you know, it's not just like, oh, let me just take off the sweater because I don't like it. It's not that simple. It's more of the imagery of surgery, like, uh, a precise surgeon goes into the tumor cells and, 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 and radiates it and kills those cancer cells. You know what I mean? It's violent. Is that, is that kind of a, a metaphor that's put to death, all right? What do you put to death? Well, there are three categories. Verse 5, distorted sexuality. There it is, verse 5. Sexual immorality, impurity, passions, evil desire, covetousness, and St. Paul covers that all under idolatry, okay? I don't want to go into all that, but you you can think about all the imaginations of what's going on right now that we are all engaged in in the devil's playground, all right? Then in verse 8, what else are we supposed to uh, put to death? Verse 8, and the category is hot tempers, all right? Yeah, no no names. (laughs) There's anger. You don't have to agree so fast. Anger, wrath, whoo. You know, like, well, you don't know my life. You don't know what I've been through. I get it. But you know, you know if we're going to be a new creation in Christ, St. Paul says we got to kill that anger, kill that wrath. That, that is hot temperedness. That's, that's a category in itself. Not only that, it leads to uh, the rest of that, which is sharp tongue. Because if you're angry all the time, your words are going to be kind of fierce. Malice, slander, obscene talk, lying to one another, go on and on. I mean, these are things that is glorified in the devil's playground, if you've noticed in 2022. That's just the way it is. Distorted sexuality, being hot-tempered, being sharp tongued, say whatever you want, okay? Um, If we are going to follow Christ seriously, not only is it ought not to be, but but, but we got to, the reason why you got to kill it, because it doesn't die easy, right? If you're addicted to all kinds of sexual morality, you can't just say, oh, uh, it's not going to happen anymore. Are you kidding me? If it were the devil's playground, all the devil's minions are on us. <laughs> we can't even sleep peacefully at night. They're invading our dreams. Come on. 
It's not that easy. You need more than counseling. <laughs> you need the Holy Spirit to come and kill that thing. I don't know what that looks like for us. I know you're angry. I know you have a sharp tongue, but you can't just say, I'm not going to curse anymore, and I'm going to put a dollar every time I... I will, I, will, I will be the jar collector, okay? I'm going to be rich. <laughs> Don't pay me anymore. I'm going to be a millionaire with all the dollars you put in every time you do that. That doesn't work. we got to kill that thing. It has to, it has to be violent because it doesn't die off from you easily. Just because you're a Christian doesn't mean you stop cursing anymore. Amen? Okay, I see you. I see you guys. <laughs> that doesn't mean you don't have lustful thoughts anymore, right? That you hate people. It doesn't just go away. It's with you. So, so how do you live holy like that? You gotta kill that thing. Um, C.S. Lewis wrote uh, children's stories, and in the um, Chronicles of Narnia book three, the Voyage of the Dawn Treader. Um, uh, there's a character called Eustace. He's a brat. He, he's a character that you want to... Oh, did I just say that? <laughs> he's back in. Anyway, long story short, he turns into a dragon because that is a, that's a version of who is inside. Uh -huh. The long story is that um, he finally gets changed being a dragon and he hates his skin and he's trying to He's trying to take the scales off because now he's a new person and, 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 and he's trying to do it himself, but it keeps coming back. And he realized there's layers and layers of, 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 of clothing, all right? Because his true self is not going to come out because he's covered by the scales of the dragon and layers and layers upon that. And so uh, finally, I'm going to read this part. Aslan, whoo-hoo, the Christ figure comes and says, the only way you're going to be undressed, if you will, is that um, Aslan says, I have to do it for you. And let me just read this part. And, and this is Eustace, uh, uh, his testimony, if you will, of how he was, he was able to put off, you know, put to death his old nature. And he says here, and in in, in, uh, Eustace says, the very first tear he made was so deep that I thought it had gone right into my heart. And when he had began pulling the skin off, it hurt worse than anything I ever felt. The only thing that made me, uh, that made me able to bear it was just the pleasure of feeling the stuff peel off. You know, just like a, a scab that you tear off. I don't know if you do that, but I do that too. It feels great. <laughs> Anyway, he says it hurts like bilio. I guess that's a British way of phrasing. But he says, but it is such fun to see it coming away. I just want to show you that that is an illustration of what it means to put to death these vices, these things that we are born with, these things that we learn how to do in the devil's playground that is part of us. Aslan has to do that. We can't do it. Psychology won't do it. Counseling won't do it. Aslan, Jesus Christ has to come. He has to pierce your soul and uproot that thing. Because the demons aren't going to just easily get off of you. He's, he's going to have to pry that stuff off of you, right? That's the imagery. All right. Um, then what? Then 
as these things are coming off, and by the way, they don't all come off at once. It's a process. And as it is coming off, verse 12, St. Paul says, what do you do? You don't want to be spiritually naked, right? So let's put on some decency. And that is put on what? Look at verse 12. Put on then, after the death, after the, the hard, uh, see, whereas putting off is violent, and it's supposed to be violent, it's supposed to hurt, and it needs to hurt. Putting on is painless. You like that? I like that. I love painless. <laughs> I love no suffering. But what do you put on? Here it is, verse 12. Then put on as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved. That's who you are. That's why you don't do, you know, put off stuff. Compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, patience, bearing with one another. And if one has a complaint against, here it is, forgiving each other. Wow. <laughs> Easier said than done, right? Yeah. That takes another sermon to show you how to put that on. But I'm telling you, it's easy because Christ's garments, his verse 12 and 13, all this lovely stuff. The reason why it's hard to put on because it doesn't fit you in the beginning. It's like me as a little boy wearing my dad's suits and, you know, it comes out to here and all that. But put it on anyway. It may not flatter you right now because it's new. Remember, you're a new Christian. You don't know what it means to be compassionate. You don't know how to be humble obedience. You don't know how to turn the other cheek and forgive because your devil's playground says someone hit you, you not only hit them back, but you destroy them. <laughs> right? If someone steals your stuff, you go and kill them. <laughs> right? That's, our, that's, what, that's what devil's playground is all about. But when you're in it and people do that to you, you do totally opposite of that. You say, well, I don't want to do that. The clothes don't fit. Of course it doesn't fit. <laughs> you say, you're learning this. But the more you committed to wearing that garment, even though you look goofy, guess what's going to happen? You're going to grow up one day. I grew up to be a man. You're, you should be very thankful that I'm a man now. <laughs> you don't want me to be this seven-year-old kid. But I grew up one day. And then I, uh, I don't wear my dad's suit because it's uh, old <laughs> and outdated. But I have his size now, and I can be wearing the most fittest, is that a word? Fit, tailored clothing that Jesus makes for us. You could do the same thing. But you don't get it overnight. You got to grow into it. It takes time. You got to keep wearing it, even though it looks goofy on you, Right? That's what it is putting on. Now, fourthly, all right, so if you decide this life is not living in devil's playground is not for you, and you decide to, uh, you took the, you know, blue pill and the red pill, remember Matrix? I think the red pill is you're awakened. So you take that pill, and you're now awakened to the things of God, all right? If you take the red pill, you know, you know it's okay. You just play there. But those who've taken the blue pill, no, what pill was that? Anyway, whatever that pill was. <laughs> Not, put off and put on, but you have to do one more thing. Number four, you have to get tested. Oh, gosh, I hate tests. I've, I've graduated from school. I don't want to work. But, but once you put on that suit, 
you're going to be tested, all right? First, you choose to live in Christ, and then you admit that, that you're living in the devil's playground. It's not for you. And then thirdly, you, you, you put off and you put on. Where's the test now? And now you're going to constantly be tested. Verse 15, you're going to be tested internally and externally. Internally, you're going to be tested by this. And only you would know if you're passing the test. In other words, only you would know if you are this, this, this real Christian that's going to be an influence to uh, uh, the world around you. Internally, verse 15, get this, and let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. Isn't that nice? How do you know this stuff is working, that, that, that you're putting on Christ? Peace. Peace in Greek. Well, yeah, Greek is, yeah. Hebrew is shalom, you know very well. And shalom means not just peace, that uh, like peace for Ukraine is more than that. Peace uh, is holistic. If I can put a draw a stick figure, uh, there are four forces that are acting on me right now, all right? One, there's God is acting on me. It's, it's kind of top down. I have to have peace with God. There is a, a force where it's going outward, where I am interacting with you, with each other. I have to have peace with you. In other words, unforgiveness, bitterness, jealousy, anger, hatred, uh, that doesn't bring peace. But in order, if I'm a real Christian, I have to have peace with you. Then another force is I'm contacting this red carpet, even after the renovation, it's still going to be red. But anyway, I'm connected to the world. In other words, so, so how am I peace with the world? Am I, am I working well? Am I honest? Am I paying my taxes? April 15. <laughs> am I being honest, right? Am I being a good citizen, right? Am I being good to my neighbors? I have to have peace in where I am, in the context. And there's an invisible force that's connecting. The fourth one is goes inside. Peace with yourself. Oh, do you, that's a hard one. Do you love yourself? Do you think you're all right? Do you think you're awesome? Right? You got to have peace with yourself. Can you sleep at night? Right? Think about it. That's the test, internal test. No one can know that except you. you everyone, to me, everyone, uh, actually, I can't see anything. It's my reading glasses, but you look very peaceful to me. <laughs> You guys look holy, righteous, blameless, and I'll see you all in heaven, that kind of thing. But only you know if that's true. So anyway, that's your test. So verse 16 is the external test. What is the test in externally, verse 16? Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. That's the, that's the way we can see. So when you come as a church, is the word of God dwelling with you? Are you teaching? Are we learning the word of God? Are we admonishing one another? And here's a, here's a uh, visible telltale sign if you are uh, test, passing this test. Externally, singing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Are we worshiping together, right? Corporately, are we worshiping at home? Singing is a tell, telltale sign of what Christians do. That's why we must do this. Even if, if, even if Kat's not here, somehow we're going to have to sing. <laughs> Christians sing. <laughs> and he says it not only here in Colossians, but he says it in Philippians too. Here's another thing. 
with thanksgiving. Don't just keep asking, 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 asking for prayer and stuff. But I will give you thanks to God, even in your suffering. Thanksgiving. Oh, boy. Um, let me just finish with this. Let's go back to Eustace. Um, yeah, his skin got peeled off, all right, uh, in the dawn of the uh, voice treader. Wait a minute. Okay, let me just read this last section and we'll finish. And the Eustace continues in his testimony. He says, well, he, that is Aslan, he peeled the beastly stuff right off, just as I thought that I'd done to myself those other times and only uh, wasn't able to do it. And there it was, his old skin, lying on the grass, only ever so much thicker and darker and more knobbly looking than any others had been. And there was I, smooth and soft as a peeled switch and smaller than I had been. Then he caught hold of me, that is Aslan. I didn't like that much for I was very tender underneath now that I had no skin, so I was very, very sensitive. And Aslan, he threw me into the water. It smarted like anything I uh, in, known only for a moment. And after that, it became perfectly delicious, this water. And as soon as I started swimming and splashing, I found that all the pain had gone from my arm. And then I saw why I turned into a boy again. Aslan takes off your old nature. What does he do? He thrusts you into the water. Baptism. You know, clean skin again. And then you are that boy who's going to grow up to be a man and a woman, right? So, um, oh boy. That's what Christians do. This is how we become influential in, uh, in this culture that doesn't belong to us. You can complain about it. You can go right or left politically you want. It doesn't really matter if you're a Christian. We live differently, right? And the way to do that is he to St. Paul's admonition. Let's pray.